in the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry? Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, the podcast where we cover all the pop culture we love to hate, from the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between. We'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. I'm looking at you, Jax Taylor. I'm your host, Ryan Bailey. So I ball so hard, motherfuckers wanna find me. First niggas gotta find me. What's 50 grand to a motherfucker like me? Can you please remind me? Ball so hard, this shit crazy. Y'all don't know it's no shit fake. Next to go, 0 for 82. When I look at you like this shit crazy. Ball so hard, this shit weird. We ain't need to be here. Ball so hard since we here. It's only right that we be fair. Psycho, I'm Lipo, the go Michael. Take pick, Jackson, Tyson, Jordan, game six. Ball so hard, got a broke clock. Roll leads that don't tick tock. All the mods that's losing time. Hitting behind all these big rocks. Walk ball so hard, I'm shocked too. I'm supposed to be locked up too. You escape, but I escape. You being past getting fucked up too. Walk ball so hard, let's get faded. Libraries for like six days. Gold bottles, skull models. Spilling eight to my sick days. Walk ball so hard, bitch behave. Just might let you meet gay. Shot towns, B-Rolls. Moving the next BK. Walk ball so hard, motherfuckers wanna find me. Windmill, windmill for the time The forever hand in hand Take it all, live on your stride It is taking for She said, yeah, you need to get married at the mile I said, look, you need to crawl for your ball Come and meet me in the bathroom style And show me why you deserve to have it all Ball so hard, that's your crack That's your crack What's she order? What's she order? Fish fillet. Yo, it's so cold. So cold. This whole thing. Act like you ever be around motherfuckers like this again. Who's your girl? Grab her hand. Fuck that bitch. She don't wanna dance. She's my friends, but I'm in France. <laughs> I'm just saying, Prince Williams ain't do it right if you ask me. Cause I was him, I would've married Kate and Ashley. What's Gucci, my nigga? What's Louis, my killer? What's drugs, my dealer? What's that jacket, Margiela? Doctors say I'm the illest, cause I'm suffering from realness. Got my niggas in Paris, and they going gorillas, huh?
bitch in my home. You know how many hot bitches I own. Don't let me get in my zone. 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 The stars is in the building. They hands to the ceiling. I know I'm about to kill it. How you know I got that feeling? You are now watching the throne. Don't let me into my zone. Don't let me into my zone. I'm definitely in my zone. Oh my God, folks, that was Lisa Renna doing the laugh in that song. <laughs> uh, folks, it's so bad it's good with Ryan Bailey. This is Ryan Bailey. It is Wednesday. This is what we call hump day, folks, because we have made it over the hump. We have got two short days after this one, and then we were at that sweet, sweet weekend, the thing that we work so hard for. Week in, week out, and it's the holidays, man. We, I mean, we got a couple more weeks until the actual Christmas and the New Year's. We're doing this again? I thought we agreed not to do this anymore. The fact that it is the New Year is mind-boggling. I feel like I come on every day and I say something new about, guys, I am, my mind is boggled every day. And I feel like I come to you every day with something new that I'm like, what the hell is going on? There, there's no way that it could possibly be the New Year's soon. It's just no way. Do we know what we're doing? I know I asked this the other day, but like, I mean, we, we got to do some sort of resolutions, right? We got to do, we got to think what we want out of this new year. Uh, of course, I just mentioned Lisa Rinna. And of course, one of the things I don't want is to watch her uh, at all in the new year. And I know I'm going to have to. And that's my burden. But I was I was noticing, did you guys notice that the People's Choice Awards, the red carpet, I was seeing all the photos. Now, the People's Choice Awards, it says it's voted on by the people. It's one of those fake award shows. Like everybody gets dressed up and blah, 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 blah. But it's like the MTV movie or music awards. It's not real it's not you know it's like kind of voted but they kind of tell you if you're gonna win and then you show up and it you know it makes those people you know i bet beverly hills won an award because they all showed up you know dorit did you see dorit's outfit my god boobs galore huh literally if like whoever did that home invasion stole her dress because this thing was like nude. I mean, I saw all of Dorit like, woo. But by the way, that is a way to distract from PK's DUI, right? Hey, could you wear something where I could see your nips and then everybody's going to be talking about your nips and not where I got a DUI on the 23rd of November. <laughs> chugaloo, chugaloo, daddy. Daddy got a D, a Dewey. Beep, boop, 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 boop. <laughs> Jackaloo, please, me and your father need to talk. Beep, boop, 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 boop. How could you, PK? How could you after this year? So it is said that he only had his publicist already. And by the way, I, I said this the other day. He handled this perfectly. Not the, the part where he got pulled over, or the part that he drank too much and then drove. The part where he apologized immediately and said, you know, he had no clue he had drank that much. He had had one drink and, you know, how alcohol affects the system weirdly and blah, blah, blah. And nobody was with him and all of that stuff. And I thought it was great that he put out like his PR guy, which, by the way, the fact that PK has a PR guy, that 
is another month. Like, I feel like, really? Come on, man. Let's, are we trying to cut back on anything at this point? If PK needs a publicist, I need a publicist then. You know what I'm saying? Like, can him and boy George share a publicist? But I just imagine, like, does he have to, like, does, like, so he has to go to jail and then he blew under the legal limit once he got there because he had blown over the legal limit when they pulled him over. And then does, does Dorit come and get him? Who, who bails PK out? By the way, I have two lawyers coming on the pod next week and we talk all about this and, and, uh, it's, it's fascinating. You know, the law is fascinating. It's troublesome to me, but it's fascinating. But I want to know, does, does Dorit like, I've got the money to bail you out, PK. Beep, beep, boop, 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 boop. Like, what does, and also, what does Dorit wear to go bail out PK? I mean, they're like, little Jagaloo, you stay home and watch your sister. I've got to go get daddy. And do they impound his car? And does Dorit have to, like, these are the little minutia things that I really, really want to know about. But anyways, they're all over at the People's Choice Awards. The entire cast was there. My girl Sutton, man, we didn't make it happen, did we? We didn't get to talk to Sutton this year. What? I'll say, I'll say, Ryan, I wanted to talk to you so bad. I'll say, I'll say, and we just couldn't make it happen. I was, you know, that was sad. I feel like the power of the pod has really done so many amazing things. We've had so many amazing guests this year, but we weren't able to get anybody from Beverly Hills, did we? We got people from past cast, but we didn't get anybody from Beverly Hills. And that is something in the new year when we, the power of the pod gets bigger, we will get Beverly Hills. Mark my words, folks, we will get Beverly Hills people. If anybody has connections to Beverly Hills people, please, please let's use them for this podcast. You know, I can be a smart ass online and all of that stuff, but I think I do give a fair interview. I think you're going to love today's interview with the one and only Ebony K. Williams from Real Housewives of New York. Uh, a very, uh, you know, uh, she divides a lot of people. And I think that is because of the season she was on and all of this. And we talk about all of that. I mean, this is somebody that is born to talk, honestly. Um, really, this is what she does. Uh, and I, I just had a great conversation with her. And I think we we have a really healthy discussion of ideas um, throughout this conversation. So I'm really excited to hear your feedback on it. Um, and, and maybe I can even change a couple minds of people that felt one way about her uh, could possibly feel another, but it is funny talking about getting guests. <laughs> Sandra, who uh, I've mentioned a bunch, has been doing the booking of the guests and doing amazingly. She said, "Oh, should I go? I want to go out to Tamra Barney, uh, you know, or Tamra Judge from you know OC. She's not on there anymore, but now she has the podcast with Teddy Mellencamp, which we're going to talk about in a second." And um, I was like, yeah, you know what? But maybe, you know, maybe, I don't know. I don't think Tamara's going to work because I do make fun of Teddy very, you know, a lot. Uh, and I find it's like a pastime of mine. It's a passion of mine. And I feel like it's something I'm good at. And uh, of course, Sandra goes, hey, got got word back from Tamara. And all Tamara sent was my meme I had made this meme last week of the footage of remember when Tamara was on vacation and she was running barefoot and when she was like, you'll never see me again. And she's like crying, screaming. It's like one of my favorite meme formats ever. And I wrote me reacting to a Teddy Tamara podcast. <laughs> and Tamara, Tamara sent back Sandra just that meme. <laughs> 
<laughs> to me, I mean, there's part of there's the Christian part of me that's like, oh, I hope I didn't hurt Tamara's feelings by saying that I would run away from her and Teddy's butt. <laughs> but, but then I kind of appreciated the fact, the fact that she saw it and, and that she responded. <laughs> the fact that she responded and sent it back, I was like, <laughs> sorry, I'm so sorry that she was like, touche. I was like, it almost made me want to listen to the podcast. I got to tell you, but then I re- remembered Teddy was on it. And I was like, no way. But that was, I don't, so Tamara and Teddy have teamed up for a podcast called Two T's on the Pod. <laughs> because their names are Tamara and Teddy. <laughs> what is t- Two T's on the Pod? Who the fuck? Who the fuck comes up with these names? <laughs> Who's like, oh shit, do you know that? Do you know? Oh my god, Teddy, are you aware that both of our names start with a T? <laughs> or was Teddy like, I've got an I've got a name. I just need to find another how to work reality star with a T in their name. <laughs> but he <and> also <laughs> for the discerning eye, you know two T's in the pod, you know the the shorter you know that's <laughs> that reads twats. <laughs> Two T's in the pot. <laughs> oh my god, we have fun here, don't we? <laughs> but for real, can Teddy like pick a pod and stick to it? <laughs> it can be any pod at this point, but she had the murder pod just a couple short months ago. I have no clue if that's still going. She had the Teddy T pod before that, and that is on hiatus. And now we have two T's in the pod. And I just feel like we have not found the right fit and she just won't give up. God bless. Like, I mean, I don't know what kind of money Teddy is pulling in that she feels the need to really continue the podcasting format. But God bless. God bless you, Tamara. <laughs> I really thought that was so funny because my normal reaction would be to like bum out and be like, oh, no, I hurt somebody's feelings, blah, blah, blah. Because that's the part of me. Like, there's like a devil part of me and then there's like a good part of me that got, you know, Sometimes I'll go for the joke, and by the way, that I really genuinely would run from a Teddy pod more than a Tamara, but Tamara, you know. So I was shocked as anybody to see that they teamed up to do a podcast. Because you know what it is with these podcasts with the reality stars, especially, is that they don't, they, you know, it's like Teddy. It's like she'll do the pod for a little bit. She doesn't seem to become famous from it because nobody really becomes famous from podcasts unless you're like Danny Pellegrino or something. And then. Uh, and then she quits and then later starts another podcast. So you never really like, you got to commit to this shit. You got to do it week in, week out or day in, day out. Like, I mean, that, you know what I'm saying? You guys know, you guys show up every day to listen to all of these podcasts. Like you guys, the burden is on you. So I, I, I imagine you guys want something that you can trust that you can actually rely on week in, week out. And I think with sometimes there's so many, like if you're a contestant on The Bachelor or something, you're, you, it's almost like you have to do a podcast. Like how many Bachelor podcasts are there? It's insane. Um, but the People's Choice Awards, as we get back once again, all the Beverly Hills cast women were there, including Erica Jane, who was, her hair was designed in some kind of like, it looked like a lightning bolt of some sort. 
and I, it just, I saw it and it just reminded, I just, you know, I was thinking on the drive home tonight, I was, I was thinking like, isn't that funny? She's now potentially receiving awards for this hugely traumatic event, not her traumatic event, but traumatic event that, that cost a lot of people money and heartache and sorrow. And now she wrote out the season and she gets to collect awards now. And I find that something so karmically wrong about that. Do you guys feel that way as well? Or is that just me? I mean, I just kind of saw that and I was like, she just thinks her shit doesn't stink, right? She thinks she did her season. She got paid for it. She got the last laugh and now she's out there. And Lisa Rinna was dressed like the black swan or something. I felt like she was literally dressed like death. Uh, It just very dark outfit. Um, Garcelle looked beautiful. Sutton was in a... um, uh, like a fashion, not a fashion risk. She was, she took a fashion risk. I think she kind of looked like Sergeant Peppers mixed with like a, uh, uh, you know, a circus ringleader. Uh, you know what I'm saying? But, uh, I'll be curious to see them on the people's choice awards, but, uh, I, you know, it's the people's choice awards, but it was, it was interesting. And the majority of people that are the people's choice awards, it turns out they're like reality stars now. And TikTok stars, these are the people that show up to these things. Like YouTubers, TikTokers, reality stars. <clears throat> like I sometimes wonder about actual movie stars anymore. Like our T and even seems like TV stars, <clears throat> there's so much prestige TV right now that it's kind of evaporating the movie market. I was somebody asked me the other day, who do I find um, extremely attractive in terms of female movie stars? And I couldn't. You know, when I was a kid, I was obsessed with like Michelle Pfeiffer and I had a Jennifer Aniston phase when she first got on Friends. But it's weird. I think there's like I have too many bad feelings wrapped up in like acting. <clears throat> and, you know, the older you get, the sillier it kind of gets. Like I can act. I can act the pants off of somebody like I, I'm a decent actor. But the older you get, it's kind of funny. There's actually this really funny article about Jeremy Strong, the uh, <clears throat> the guy who plays Kendall Roy on Succession, an amazing <clears throat> actor, an amazing part. But they had this, uh, I think it was in The New Yorker this week, where it talked about his method acting. And method acting is when you really inhabit the body of the character. Daniel Day-Lewis used to be famous for it. Um, he, of course, played uh, Abraham Lincoln. He was in My Left Foot, where he played, a, um, I believe, he had cystic fibrosis. Uh, just all of these amazing works. And he supposedly did method acting, but he would never really talk about it, which I always thought method acting is when you live and breathe in the character's skin. I remember my buddy was an assistant director on a movie, The Crucible, uh, where uh, Daniel Day-Lewis was in that, I believe, with Winona Ryder. And <clears throat> he said Daniel Day-Lewis came up and helped build the cabins before shooting even started. He wanted to get out there, get his hands dirty, build his own cabin. And I always thought, wow, what? That's incredible. You know, and, and, you know, you take that experience and put that into the character. And, uh, but supposedly Jeremy Strong does the same thing. I always found it weird with two with Daniel Day-Lewis because I was like, if you're living in that character's skin, if you're playing the reality of that character, of Abraham Lincoln, are you going to see a cell phone and freak out because you don't know what it is because you're Abraham Lincoln? Of like, what the hell is that? I've never seen a doohickey like that. You know, like there's no, 
method acting sounds amazing, but when you start to think about the reality of that situation, you would just walk around with your mouth agape all day because you've never seen anything. What is that thing shooting me? A, a camera? What's a, what's a movie camera? Like, I don't know. But uh, Jeremy Strong is a method actor for Kindle, and Kindle, if you watch the show, is kind of just this mopey, tragic figure. And uh, it's just wild to think about somebody that wants to stay in that 24-7, you know? Um, so anyways, yeah, I was saying like television stars, who are the movie stars that I love? I was looking at this preview, I think it's called Don't Look Up with DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence that hits Netflix in like December 25th, I think. And I was like, man, even, I was like Jennifer Lawrence. I was like, there was a time when I really liked Jennifer Lawrence. And I think that time has passed. Like I was trying to think like, who are the movie stars that we love you know, I know we always have affinity for Reese Witherspoon because of what she's given us. You know, a lot of romantic comedians. I know Meg Ryan I will always have a soft spot for. Tom Hanks in my heart can do no wrong. Um, but I was trying to think, is there anybody that I'm super attracted to? Like, there's, you know, I'm not attracted to Angelina Jolie. I think what it is is that we know too, mi- too much about our celebrity, our actors' personal lives, you know? And just like reality stars... We make snap judgments. They're not snap judgments. We, we see the show and we take that information in. We filter it through our personal experience and then we decide. We are the judge, jury, and executioner of our stars, just like reality stars. Like I have seen enough of Lisa Rinna and I have decided I don't like her anymore. And it's kind of like that with movie stars because we found out too much personal information about our movie stars. And I feel like we treat them the same way as our reality stars where we're like, fuck, that guy seems creepy as hell. You know, like, oh, that guy did, was part of the Me Too movement or this and that, you know, it it becomes really. And speaking of that, I want to talk to all the ladies and some of the guys out there. We got to stop Pete Davidson. We just got to. OK, um, he did an underwear shoot. He went live on Instagram with Machine Gun Kelly because he's Calvin Klein spokesman now. And they did this like supposedly tongue-in-cheek thing with them in their white undies but it just looked like they all had it was looked like they all you know just had poo stains you know what i'm saying it just looked dirty and maybe some of you ladies and some of you guys find that super hot but it just i just was like man i've never like i was like do not make me root for kanye all of a sudden like now i'm like wait a sec maybe kanye does deserve kim because that to me was like okay that's like, if, if I was probably 14 years old at a junior high right now, I'd probably be thinking, those dudes are badass. I want to have an underwear party with my dude friends. 100%. Like, they were throwing cereal on each other and shit. Like, if I was super young, that might be my jam completely. And sure, have fun with your best friends. Get in your underwear. Do a little shoot. Throw food at each other. Totally do it. Homoerotic, I love it. No, that's not. But at the same time, you have the Kim Kardashian of it all as well. And the Kim Kardashian, I want to read you guys something. I get sent this uh, gossip column every day. And this, I woke up and I immediately wanted to go back to sleep because I was like, this is a load of horseshit. So it starts status update. And by the way, um, we're at minute 2249. I know somebody wrote me the other day to put a timestamp so they can skip past the Kardashian section. So I'm speaking to you right now. This is when the Kardashian section starts. Give me about five minutes if you can fast forward 
and then we probably should be okay. So it's a status update. Kim and Pete are getting more and more serious by the day, according to a new report. Who's in charge of the new reports? Uh, Quote, Kim's blown away by how strongly she feels for Pete, a source tells Us Weekly, adding that the reality star 41 has already told the comedian 28 that she loves him. Kim, quote, Kim never thought she'd date anyone like Pete. Her type is usually so different, no shit, but their instant chemistry was impossible to ignore. Quote, when Kim met Pete, says the source, something inside of her told her she'd want to spend the rest of her life with him. The same goes for Davidson. Quote, they're talking about kids already, reveals the source. Quote, Kim thinks he'd be the best dad. She's smitten. Unquote. Okay. I'm sorry. Put the earmuffs over the kids. Come the fuck on. Are you fucking kidding me? Who the fuck was the source on? This is the lamest little caption I've ever seen. Like, even if, like, they're having fun and all that stuff, what? They've seen each other a handful of times, and she's already told her she loved him, and she wants to have kids with him and spend the rest of her life with What are we smoking? First off, I do not believe this for a second. But whoever this source is, I feel like we are getting our leg pulled entirely. And if this is to believe believe at all, they're almost trying to make us believe that it's almost like the... We saw very similar reports when the Travis Barker, Kourtney Kardashian thing started. Remember? Like they were just so smitten. They were so... They were talking about kids. It's almost verbatim, some of this stuff. And I'm like... Okay, so if it is coming from Kim's camp, then it almost makes Kim seem insanely jealous of Courtney that she really does want her own um, dirty Travis. You know what I'm saying? Like, she wants that badly. But I don't believe any of this for a second. Like, I almost think, is this performance art? Are we getting our legs pulled? And that leads me to my other thing is that are we... Or am I, let me just speak for who I know, but like, I just feel like I'm getting to the point where I don't know what to believe anymore. I'm thinking everything's a conspiracy in terms of pop culture. You know, like I don't believe in QAnon. I don't believe any of that shit. I don't believe in the deep state, but I do believe that stuff like this is possible. I mean, somebody wrote immediately because I made fun of uh, Pete and Machine Gun Kelly. (laughs) Machine Gun Kelly, your name's Machine. Come on, Machine. Mr. Machine Gun, can I speak with you for a second? Um... You know, I made a a meme about them today and somebody wrote, this is all a distraction. Kris Jenner did this to distract from Travis Scott and Astro World. Okay. (laughs) Okay, sure. But let's walk that down a little bit, right? So Kris Jenner, in all her power, which I do think she has a great amount of power. She doesn't have enough power to have Tristan stop cheating. You know, like doesn't have that kind of power, right? And does, does is not powerful enough to scare Tristan into actually treating her one daughter okay, right? And the same thing with Scott Disick and so on and so forth. But we're now leaving Chris that she is powerful enough to say, hey, I'm going to protect Kylie's baby daddy. And this guy really has never really claimed Kylie. And I'm going to ask Kim, one of my stars and my daughter also, to take a random guy from Saturday Night Live that kind of has a little heat because he bangs a lot of starlets. I want to see if they can get back together. Or if they can get together in the first place. Maybe we'll throw a hickey in there. Do a lot of things that nobody would expect from Kim. Uh, it might be fun for Kim. Get a little different kind of press. But ultimately, it will distract from Astroworld. 
I just don't see it for many reasons. It just sounds ridiculous when you say it out loud. And you would then like, and I know Pete has a lot of fans. You would then be saying Pete is game for that. Pete would then be saying, you know what? I love Travis Scott so much that I'm willing to put my career on the line. I'm willing to say I'm in love with Kim Kardashian, which that's probably an easy thing to do. I bet he gets to see her boobs and all that stuff. And that is quite cool, I'm sure. But you're saying then Pete is a bad person at heart because he would do this to try to make things work out for Travis instead of the victims of Astroworld. I just don't see it. I don't see it. I think sometimes things are as they are. They're ridiculous. Like, I don't believe those quotes, but I do believe they're in some form of a relationship. I do believe they're enjoying hanging out. You know how easy it is when you're a fun person to enjoy hanging out with another fun person? I'm not saying I don't think Kim's that fun of a person, but I think Kim's probably not that fun of a person where if you're a moderately fun person, she's like, yeah, I mean, Kim's best friend is food god for the love of God. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't take much for Kim to enjoy herself. <sighs> These are the things that I think about all day long. Uh, we're going to go into uh, our interview right now. I've got a bunch of more news stories that I will be lumping into Thursdays. Uh, my friend Marissa has sent me a lot of great information that I'm going to talk to you more about, including Pump Rules, which, man, I watched tonight's episode. Whew. It is just getting tougher and tougher to watch that show. Um it's just weird. It's like an out-of-body experience watching this show. Um, and I did. I, I, I spent tonight writing an article about my experience at Tom Sandoval's concert, uh, his first concert a couple weeks ago that I talked about on the pod for The Dip. And it was, uh, I don't know. Like, I, I, I'll, I'll let you guys know when I'm finished. I'll, I'll want you to read it and stuff if you can because I thought I'm, I'm really proud like of being asked to write something and to th- th- this was one of my dreams was to, like to have something published in something you know even if it's silly and about reality shows and that's another thing you guys made possible. So um, okay, let's get to our guest. We did a nice little intro there. I hope you guys have the best Wednesday ever. Uh, thank you so much. And also, I don't. we'll talk about this tomorrow too, but I wanted to talk about a little piece of the Queen of Versailles conversation I had with Jackie Siegel that I cut out. Um, I'm not going to get that to that today, but I want to talk to you guys about that tomorrow. I never like to uh, hide things from you. Or if I cut something out, I want to always let you know when I cut out. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about that tomorrow. But I want you to enjoy this interview. We get into all of it. Is Roni coming back? Some feelings on Ramona, what it's like to be on the first season, um, her relationship with Leah, uh, who if she might be romantically involved with, which I think this is a question that I was dying to to ask. Um, and uh, but also she speaks. She's a very intelligent woman, and uh, I think she leads with that, which I tell her. But I thought this was a great conversation. She was very open, and uh, I was just very uh, excited for this opportunity. Uh, so I hope you guys will listen to it, uh, listen to it with open ears, and uh, let me know what you think. And I will talk to you guys on Thursday. You are the best audience ever. Have the best day ever, and I will talk to you later. Folks, summer is just around the corner, so it's time to say goodbye to those jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Now, I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily, I found Quince. Now, I have a lineup of timeless pieces I want that will keep me looking fresh year after year. I got a pair of tan shorts. I got a pair of green shorts. I 
cannot wait to style these for summer. And I got to tell you, the quality is great because Quince has all the seasonal must-haves like 100% European linen shirts from $30, performance polos, and versatile flow knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman by partnering directly with top factories and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So you can feel good about what you're wearing on every level. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Bye. We will be back in just a second with the remainder of the show, but we as we always do, have to get through some commercials right now. And I'm very proud of every uh, product or any company that sponsors this show. And we got three great ones today. So our first one is StoryWorth. Now, StoryWorth, this is a really, really cool product that I, uh, even before they sponsored the show, I got this for my mom a year and a half ago. And we still talk about this. She was actually bragging about it today. So this holiday season, um, you want to give gifts to loved ones that make them feel special and unique, just like the relationship that me and you guys share. So that's why uh, I gave everyone that I care about StoryWorth in my family. So StoryWorth is an online service that helps you and your loved ones preserve precious memories and stories for years to come. It's a thoughtful and meaningful gift that connects you to those who matter the most. So every week, StoryWorth emails your relative or friend a thought-provoking question of your choice from their vast pool of possible options. Uh, Each unique prompt asks questions you've never thought to ask, like, you know, what's the bravest thing you've ever done in your life? Or if you could see into the future, what would you want to find out? Uh, For my mom, I wanted to ask all questions about her growing up. My thought with my mom was, I want to know the story of Becky Bailey's youth. Um, And I wanted to share that with my niece and nephew and my sister. And so each week it would email her these questions and she got to think about it and then write something down, put a picture with it. Uh, it's it's kind of really amazing. So after one year, StoryWorth will compile all your loved one stories, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. And I really, really do mean that. We got one book that is all colored photos. She bought a couple books that are just black and white. I just got a black and white one, but I still think it's really cool. And it's beautiful. It's like this hardcover bound. It has my mom's picture from when she was a kid on the cover. Uh, and it's, I can't, I can't, it just really is one of the coolest gifts that I've ever given my mom. And she loved it so much. Um, reading the weekly stories help connect you with loved ones, no matter how near or far apart you are. Um, with StoryWorth, I am giving those I love most a thoughtful, personal gift from the heart and preserving their memories and story 
stories for years to come. So go to storyworth.com slash so bad and save $10 on your first purchase. That's storyworth.com slash so bad to save $10 on your first purchase. And I'm telling you, Becky Bailey loved this the most. So this is my mom approved. This made me look like such a badass at Christmas. I swear to I it was, I really felt like I did something right for once in my life. Uh, our next uh, sponsor is a new one. It's Ritual. So you guys know, as always, I have been uh, trying to fight to stay healthy this whole year. I started off the year having COVID. Stuck. That really stunk. I also uh, got strep throat at a certain point. And finally, um, I'm like, you have got to you got to get healthy. 2022 has got to be about my health. And I think this next company can really help. So gaps in the diet shouldn't be ignored. Over 97% of women aged 19 to 50 are not getting enough vitamin D from their diet. And 95% are not getting their recommended daily intake of key omega-3s. So Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin was formulated by exhaustive research to help fill nutrient gaps in the diets of women ages 18 plus. It is formulated with nutrients to help support brain health, bone health, blood health, and provide antioxidant support. But Ritual didn't stop there. They invested in a gold standard university-led clinical trial to prove the impact of Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin. The results? Essential for Women 18 Plus was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in 12 weeks. Now, of course, I'm not a woman, but they do have men's vitamins and I have been taking those. And you guys, I am jacked right now. I have so much energy. I actually feel really good. And I like things like this and companies like this that you can trust because it takes so much to get out there and now work out every day and to eat right. And I feel like you need things like this where you can actually take a pill from a company you trust and it's going to help you and provide you with nutrients and things to keep you going, to keep energized, to keep feeling young, looking young, all of this stuff. Um, right now, Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off your first three months. So visit ritual.com, that's R-I-T-U-A-L.com forward slash so bad and turn healthy habits into a ritual. Oh, I see what they did there. <laughs> that's 10% off at ritual.com forward slash so bad. Um, that's a new one. I'm very excited. I am taking the men's vitamin. So if you guys do this, please, please, please let me know how you feel taking this. So uh, our final one is, uh, they were last week as well, is Wondery. We, of course, know the podcast company Wondery. Amazing. Um, their new show, I think you guys will find particular interest because of what it is about, which is kind of about reality shows. So in the early 2000s, millions of households across the world tuned in to watch contestants battle for the last rose or to be the final survivor on the island. Reality TV was beginning to dominate the airwaves, and every show needed to be bigger, flashier, and more scandalous than the last. But in the case of one infamous dating show, the real drama was happening off-screen, and it would shape the future of reality TV. The reality TV series There's Something About Miriam seemed like a pretty standard dating competition. Six young men vied for the affection of Miriam Rivera, a beautiful model from Mexico. But when Miriam revealed that she was a trans woman during the show's finale, the on-screen drama sparked an international uproar about gender, sexuality, and whether reality television had finally gone too far. 
Wondery's new podcast miniseries, Harsh Reality, the story of Miriam Rivera, reveals what happened behind the scenes of this infamous TV show and how a multi-million dollar lawsuit and media fallout impacted, impacted the lives of Miriam and the contestants and changed the rules of reality television forever. Uh, you guys, we always talk about this in this show. We appreciate where we are with reality TV today. But we need to go back, and there's a rich history of how these shows came to be, and all of these untold stories of behind the scenes. I think these shows are so amazing, but know what's even better are the stories behind the scenes with the actual crew, with the production, all of these things. We see it all the time or want to see it all the time with Bravo, but this is those stories or this is the story for this occasion. So follow Harsh Reality, the story of Miriam Rivera on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or you can listen early and ad-free by joining Wondery, plus in Apple Podcasts or the Wondery app. Uh, you guys, those were the commercials for this week, and now... Back for the remaining portion of the show. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to iHeartRadio. So bad, it's good. Today, I think we have somebody that's so good, it's great. I've been wanting to talk to this person since her very first episode on uh, a very contentious season of Housewives. Uh, but I think it would be um, a complete disservice to just bring up Housewives because this person is a commentator. She is a host. She just uh, actually did a whole hosting gig on The View, which she killed. Uh, she also is in the podcasting world holding courts uh which i know is on hiatus right now but we're going to find out when it's coming back she is an author she is a lawyer uh she's an american i mean come on ebony k williams welcome to the show hey ryan i love that intro can i take you around the country with me and we just bottle that up that's great i feel like that's the only thing i'm, I'm really good at the intros i'm going to tank the interview but the intros no, i'm really no, good at awesome. <laughs> no, um, how are you I'm good. I'm really good. I'm really happy, very thankful to talk to you. Um, uh, I guess the first question is, um, was it a fun first season? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's it's funny, right? Because I know we've been between our teams, um, you know, uh, trying to schedule this for a minute. And I don't believe in accidents, Ryan. So I think that the fact that we're talking now that so much has happened, um, including the entire season of Housewives, and I will call it the fallout, right? Uh, we've got a whole bunch to get into. So I think it's actually really cool that we're talking now. Was it a fun first season? In some ways. My answer is in some ways, right? Um, keeping it a, a buck, as I say uh, on Holding Court, my podcast, we keep it 100. Uh, there were aspects that were a ton of fun. I, you know, I'm someone who enjoys meeting new people. Um, so that was cool. I, I am a workhorse, as you know, um, in terms of the business. So I had a lot of fun with production, with the crew, with, um, you know, my senior level producers all the way to the, uh, you know, one of my favorite people on the crew was, um, were two of the audio tech uh, engineers uh, and they just were close to my heart. And, and so, yes, in those ways, it was fun. Um, and then there were challenges. You had, you had seen, I mean, you had watched this show before you were on this show, correct? From day one. Yeah. I, I grew so, up with Rowdy. Yeah. Is there, I mean, I think a lot of us did, but is there a, a thing when you're in scenes with, uh, you know, the Countess or Sonia where you're like, I mean, even aside from all like certain idiotic things were said, were you like, this is a trip. This is like the matrix being in a scene where I usually watch this show. I think that's exactly how I would phrase it. It's a trip. It's a whole complete trip. Even like going back to my chemistry test, which was with Luann, it's like 
Luann Delaseps is in my living room and we're talking about <laughs> my engagement ring and whether or not I should give it back to my ex-fiance. It's just wild. It's just wild. It's like, this is, and, and then I'm going back to work, which is recording and producing um, my news show, Revolt Black News. Yeah, yeah. it's a trip. Yeah. I mean, so uh, the other thing I, I thought of, and when I first, you were on and I was looking more into you in the beginning of the season, and I was starting to get familiar with your work. My question to you, and I know to Dr. Tiffany Moon as well, was I was mm -hmm. like, why are you doing this? Like you actually have a career. You have this kind of insightful knowledge of the world and how you see it. Um, is that why you're doing this? Because I feel like you're, you're like rolling around in the muck and the mire sometimes <laughs> where you, uh, uh, you know, you don't need this per se. I mean, mm -hmm. you could say it's a good business move, but I mean, what was the initial thought? Yeah, it, it was so simple. And listen, as, as somebody in the business, you, you, you probably know the answer, but I'll say it out loud. Being on Housewives, any franchise, it is the best publicity that you can't even buy. You just can't buy it. That's it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm grateful to have had and still have, thank God, um, a riveting and really compelling career as a journalist, as an attorney, as some, a legal expert in the game and all the things that I do. I'm a writer, blah, 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 right? It's amazing. Love it. Love the work that I do and get to do. But what's it all for if it's not going to be amplified at the highest levels? You know, I've been doing this part of my career, right? I'm talking about like the kind of public facing part for 10 years. Before that, I practiced law for six and a half. Okay. So that's like a 16, 17 year professional career. Never have I had the amplification, the cultural significance, right? That I do as a housewife. And why does that matter? One could ask, um, do you need it? No, I guess you don't need it. Of course I don't need it, but goodness, it's so cool as someone who has done the work, for instance, of advancing the relationship uh, between black and Jewish communities, which is something I've done since 2016. It's really important to me. I'm just coming off of um, emceeing the Hanukkah um, menorah lighting in Times Square, which was really dope and cool and awesome. That work is great, but it is taken to another level and its impact, Ryan, right? My ability to impact this work is felt on an entirely different level as a housewife because of the eyeballs and really because of the cultural relevance. Um, I'm sure we'll probably have a part of our conversation be about the contentiousness of the season and the ratings and the woo woo woo, and we can talk about that. But the ratings almost don't matter in terms of the fact that the cultural impact is nonetheless. But I mean, so going, so going in, you were going in with, uh, I guess, not a mission per se, but you were realizing that no, you it could was actually... an intention, an intention. Let's call it what it. I'm not a show. See, we like stigmatize these words: agenda, mission. She had a <laughs> yes. Hello, wake up, America. I, I actually went on a global platform with a particular intention. Shocker. Yes, but I, see, I that's that, anyone that's that the... does that. It doesn't do that. Is Foolish, in my opinion. What are you there but for? But that was—I I totally get that. But I think that was the thing when we're used to watching these ladies quibble about alcohol and uh, who's the best singer or burlesque or whatever. You know, we're used to <laughs> right. that. And right. then coming into the two years that we've had, not saying that yeah. this is the first time race has been brought up in America, thank God. Sure. But we are coming <laughs> off this. You know, right. you knew you were going into a pressure cooker of a season. Yeah. 
are you shocked with the results that you have gotten, not even in the good way where you've been able to amplify, but there's mm-hmm. been this huge bad portion of it where I've mm-hmm. even sometimes been ashamed to be part of a fandom that is taking it a certain way as well. Um, and people are like, well, I just, I sign up to Roni to laugh right. and to hear goofy women be alcoholics per- allegedly and all of this stuff. And I'm <laughs> right. not here to learn lessons, but I will say I learned, I got, I got introduced to James Baldwin because of you. I got introduced to, you know, you, Ryan, that's but, dope. And you're not the only one, by the way, I get that globally, like from people that look like you and people that look like me, quite frankly. That are also interesting. She means extremely attractive, you guys. That's ah! all she means. Extremely attractive. I mean, I mean, you guys can't think of it. I mean, wearing pink and black velvet. <laughs> yes, she's very no, dressed. Um, <laughs> no, no. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. Let's let's back it up, right? First of all, your viewers can't see me, but what am I doing right now? I'm drinking a lovely seasonal gin and club soda cocktail. So my God point bless. in mentioning that, Ryan, is that, and it's, what, is it three o'clock? I don't even know. Not even, right? It's five o'clock somewhere. Yeah. Um, my point is, is I do that part too. So if the mandate for a housewife right? It's someone who enjoys their cocktails and enjoys their fashion and enjoys the back and forth and the subtle shade of uh, interplay with highbrow, um, badass, tough-minded women. I gave that in spades too. You know, like if you pay attention to the season, that part's there. It just so happened that many people chose to kind of bypass that aspect of what I brought to the show. And that's okay. And focus on the substance. Um, because it was, you know, listen, I don't make because any there was apologies substance. for this shit. Because it was substance, <laughs> and that's part of me too. So if the mandate to be a real housewife is to bring your full self to the table, that's what I did. That's And that's the only way I know how to do it. And let me tell you who's super aware of it and, and pretty uh, satisfied from my conversation, the network. The network knew exactly who I was before casting. They, they must have interviewed... I can't even tell you how many incredible women of all races, by the way, you know, and they are very candid about this and they gratefully chose me. Let's see who I am. I am a totally unapologetic nerd an academic Ryan during my interviews for housewives, you know, what was behind me during all this, because it was all zoom. They'd never laid eyes on me. Right. So I was cast <laughs> in this pandemic. Um, and and I was my hair was in faux locks, which is a very black centric hairstyle. I have a I have a custom picture. I'm in a temporary dwelling right now. I'm waiting to move into my Harlem condo in a few weeks. But behind me was a custom uh, art piece that signified the um, Middle Passage, the transatlantic slave trade. So it's literally a slave ship with thousands of bodies known as chattel cargo. Right during the that was that image was behind me. And I have a whole story as to why it was. We'll talk about it next time I, I do your show. Uh, it's it's actually uh, uh, correlated from Roger Ailes. It's a hell of a story. Um, wow. Right, but the point is, is they knew they were getting a a person who is an academic. I have a bachelor's degree in Black and Africana Studies from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. So none of this was secret. None of this was like, oh, she got us, you know, like yeah, 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 this yeah. is who they wanted to bring to this platform. Because I believe that Bravo said after 13 years of not having any women of color absent, absent Jules Weinstein, who, of course, was an Asian and Jewish woman. Yeah. Um, let, if we're, let's go big or go home. Let's yeah. cast a black woman who is really full throttle in her blackness and leads with it proudly and can offer that perspective to our show. And that's what they got. 
But then do you ever felt like the network or uh, powers that be hung you out to dry as the season continued, especially once we got to the ever fabled non-reunion reunion, you know, where we didn't get a lot of the information, the fans and all of that stuff until way after the case. And we're still piecing it together like some sort of yeah. Da Vinci code. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know what? I'm, I'm no, I mean, we're still getting yeah, information slow, about it's a, this it's stuff. A, it's a slow drip. Right. I mean, I got to tell you, as a journalist myself, Ryan, I'm kind of shocked as to how slow the drip is. But um, I feel like every day and I'm learning this stuff in real time with you all as audience. We're like, oh, OK, what what factoid or myth? Because sometimes it's a fact and sometimes it's a myth, quite frankly, is being leaked today. We'll see. But I, I wouldn't say I felt left out to dry. I think I'm pragmatic enough to understand that the uh, the leadership involved in our show and the production and the network are in unchartered territory. We are, and that's not a pass as much yes. as it's an acknowledgement that none of us have been here before. You know, this is an iconic culture juggernaut. And there are and growing pains. And there are, and we've changed the formula fundamentally with my casting. Um, I'm, I, I, I've heard um, fodder that there's this notion of me being miscast. Well, I would submit to you that I was perfectly cast. If the, if the challenge is in this moment, culturally, and I do mean that in the broader Americana, the pop culture lexicon, right? I believe if house, I think housewives are like pageants. Okay, roll with me here, Ryan. And I say this as a proud pageant girl. Pageants could exist in the 80s and 90s and even early 2000s in a way that allowed them to be solely about the hottest woman on the stage, for the most part. And nobody batted an eye at that. Now, you can't get away with that in a post Me Too 2021, 2022 era. Now you've got to bring it. The last Miss America to be crowned two years ago, she did a science experiment as her talent. The, the requirement of, of surviving as an acceptable form of popular culture as a woman in particular, it's elevated. You got to bring more to the table now. So let's compare that to Housewives. I think it's the same thing. I think that's why Dr. Tiffany Moon was cast in the first place. I think that's why Dr. Wendy Osefo is cast in Potomac. And I'm not saying you've got to have a doctorate degree to be a housewife, although all three of us do. Hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you see where I'm going here, Ryan, right? I think that the mandate is evolving with the times to say that we want to be entertained but we also want to amplify people with platforms that are worth amplifying. Uh, completely. But like I was even taking into account, I, I've been uh, rerunning your season uh, just mm -hmm. around the house and watching uh, you at Lou's uh, when Garth was oh, making yeah. the, the fish stew or whatever. The, no, the, the, the lamb curry that was so lamb often curry, talked yes, about. We the the rest of this interview is going to be about the lamb curry. Yeah, and, I mean, I was really disappointed because uh, I'm a fan of lamb. And uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, but when you were having that discussion with Luann, it was like once Luann thought she was being told she was not as smart, she completely checked out and stopped listening to the conversation. But when somebody like you that actually, I'm trying to say this gently, like, you know, you know your way around an idea, a thought. You can actually hold your own, but it's almost like a narc at a biker rally. It's like unfair <laughs> advantage. You know, like you, like I, I said many times when I recapped the show, I was like, this is not, nobody's going to be able to have yeah. a conversation the way that she is used to having a conversation. I think that's a really valid point. And in that way, I have a lot of um, empathy for my, and I don't mean that condescending. I mean this very authentically. 
I think when you take someone like me, who, like you said, because of my life experience, right, right, and including my professional experience, you know, I've worked at some of the biggest networks in the world, I'm classically, and I'm also a litigator, right? So I'm classically trained in the arts of nuance, debate, um, the ability to hold two opposing ideas in my head at the same exact time and make space for both of them. That's what I do. I do it every day. I do it naturally, and I do it for a living. It is almost unfair to expect my castmates to participate in that level of exchange with me. So I actually could totally concur. And at some point in the filming process, I got that. But it was it was a point because I'm used to people that do like Megan, you know, Megan McCain and I. And, and we were sparring partners more than anything at Fox, but we were trained in the same ilk. So it was, it was, it was um you know, it was is equal battlefield, if you will. And I think that part, and nobody really talked about this. So this is actually really a brilliant nuanced point you're making that we weren't equally yoked. This is not a smart thing, no, right? It's no. not about degrees. It's about tactic. It's about tactic that the way in which we approach the space was tactically incompatible. And I think yeah. that's what made the viewing experience challenging, right? Well, yeah, I mean, tactically, you know, you have people coming in to try to gain a following so they can sell makeup or uh, Christmas yes. singles or whatever. And it's different than somebody that actually has or is bringing in ideas for the time and place that we're in now that are kind of uncomfortable uh, to yeah. hear, especially if you're used to uh, status quo on a show that you've been on for this long. And that's yeah. what I found very interesting and interesting to watch. But then I got kind of nervous for you because I was wondering which it almost felt like, well, then who is starting to leak these stories that like you would come out in page yeah. six and who is. And then all of a sudden the Ramona of it all, in my opinion, I've said this many times on the show. I appreciate what somebody's done for the past of this housewives, and I'll always have these really fond memories. But at a certain point, whether whatever show, you do have to make a plan for the future. And mm -hmm. if you hear Elton John play eight hundred times in a row, Rocket Man, you eventually are going to be like, I can go home early. I don't need to hear Rocket Man. I've heard enough Rocket Man. And sure. I do think they need to eventually think to the future. And I thought that's what they were trying to do with you. But now it feels like there's some weird press at play where there's these weird things coming out. I think Does that what make sense? You're, uh, uh, to me, 100%. Very jumbled, I think, yeah. I, I think, no, it, it actually was quite linear to me in this sense, right? Right, like, it's a negotiation, right? Like, I am somebody who is as reasonable and pragmatic as can be. Like, it's just my nature. And I'm a Virgo, right? <laughs> so, so much of, I think, season 13 of Roni was an attempt at a negotiation around exactly your point, right? This is an iconic franchise because of Ramona Singer, because of Countess Luann Deliceps, because of Sonia Morgan and Bethany and Jill Zara and the whole gang, right? No one, least of all me, is gonna undermine that. That's a fact. But as we transition as to what Housewives Roni, specifically season 14 through 19 looks like, right? Let's negotiate what elements we can introduce to, to, to maintain the vintage quality and evolve in something that feels culturally relevant to the new to a whole new generation. Because that's really what we're talking about here, right? Okay, great. Now, in a negotiation, it's back and it's forth and it's given its take. I think what really failed to happen for season 13 that made it um, you know, disappointing in the eyes of many is that everybody walked away from the negotiating table with me, Ryan. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm sitting here trying to negotiate in good faith, 
And, um, you know, some of my castmates were just unwilling, you know, and I get it. I get if you feel that you are fundamentally responsible for the success of an, an entity, a product, whatever it is, um, you probably don't have a lot of incentive to enter that type, kind of negotiation that strips away some of your power and influence. I understand that. But I also understand the point that you made about Elton John and Rocket Man. So at some point, right, people of big mindedness have to think about the broader picture. You know, and I will say to me, I think Sonia Morgan, more than anyone else, really understood that. I think she gets to, to me, this is just my opinion. I think Sonia is really underrated and really underestimated. That is my opinion. Uh, uh, that is my opinion. Shut up, you, <laughs> I love, that's one of my favorite, like, ever. Uh, fucking <laughs> iconic. Okay. I'm, I'm really am a housewives, like, fanatic. Early. All right. So that is my opinion. And I think that Sonia Morgan is really savvy in the sense, and it's not about me. It's not because, oh, she loved me so much, although we do have a friendly relationship. And I love No, you were a huge champion and you had a beautiful friendship in the season. We did, we did. But let's isolate the variable for a second. Beyond that, Sonia understands, Sonia wants to be on Roni season 19. Sonia wants to be on Roni season 2023. And Sonia understands for that to transpire, there's got to be an act of negotiation. And she was a willing and effective negotiating partner in terms of interplay, vintage, new, vintage, new. And that's why it was really cool. No, it is. Uh, it, it, it actually is really cool. And the thing that um, the, the remote of it all, though, I, I just keep she's such a perfect example for where we're at because I feel like we've all accepted like everybody across the board has accepted that Ramona is a certain way and it's not yeah, a sure. great way, but it's also, but I want to even, uh, you don't have to agree with this, but I don't think it's a great way. I think we've accepted that she is, has these kind of feelings that are, that I fully, I believe are very damaging and very like, Oh, who cares then? Who cares then? And we've all kind of just accepted it because, well, that's Ramona. And I'm like, well, there's a larger picture at play here of like, well, we, you know, think about America. We can't just write mm -hmm. these things off. Eventually we have to actually zone in. Engage. Or, engage. Yeah. But also then if you have the power, like she, a lot of people are like, well, how dare they not do a reunion because Ramona needed to face what she did. And I'm like, if I was Ramona, of course, there's no way I'm going to go face what I did because she knows what she did. Like, there's no way. But it's very frustrating, I think, as an audience that we are now privy to all this backwards and forwards and this negotiation. And I love what you said about Sonia. She'll be the first one on the moon with Housewives. But uh, we, you know, there is this kind of unsettling thing that we didn't get a finality to this. And I'm sure you feel that more than anyone. But there is this kind of, it's just left in the ether. It's almost David Lynchian. And, and, it's just, and, and, and that's what's, to me, whack, right? Like, for lack of a better precise term, it's just lame to me. Because I would argue, Ryan, Ramona and the, and the people of the, um, our country, you know, that think like Ramona, that function like Ramona, I think it's very dangerous to be dismissive of them. I think it's really dangerous to be like, oh, well, eh. No, I am somewhat, that's why you saw that really ridiculous scene in retrospect where I'm at Ramona's home and I'm trying. Was this after the election or was this right yeah. that, that when yeah. she's like crying and like yeah, different tactics? Running away yeah. from our own house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. yep. And I'm trying in really good faith to engage with Ramona, not to get her to say 
that she agrees with me. I don't give a fuck about that, to be candid. I mean, I think agreement's overrated. And see, that's the other thing, Ryan. <laughs> I think, I really do. I really think no, people great. don't know how to really deal with someone like me who's not caught up in the status quo, quo normalcies that say in order to be in a relationship with someone or a friendship or whatever, you've got to be totally 100% in agreement on every single issue. I think that is corny and lame and not even realistic. So I'm someone that enjoys and benefits and grows from the interplay of the exchange. So I kind of naively, and now I know, I'm in Ramona's home and I'm really trying to connect with her around, I know I know, you didn't vote for the same person I voted for. I got it, no problem. I don't give a fuck about that. But we're both women, right? And we both are powerful business women. And we both, I thought, could celebrate the elevation, the um, ascension of a woman to the executive office of the United States of America's government because it's never happened before. I really yeah. thought that. In retrospect, <laughs> silly of me. But I really thought that. And all Ramona had to say, in my opinion, is, listen, I don't really give a fuck about Kamala Harris being a woman. I am so far from her politics. that no, Ebony, I can't celebrate her election. And you know what I would have said? Got it. Got it. Now, I'm different because I don't have any political overlap with Sarah Palin, or not much, maybe around taxes. But other than that, not much, because fuck those taxes. Anyway, um, other than that, not much, right? But if Sarah Palin had won the vice presidency in 2008, that's a bad bitch. I don't care what I think about the rest of her because that's something, a space we've never occupied as women. And I can, again, hold space for the fact that we are politically not really aligned, but you've done something as a woman that makes it more possible for me and the progeny of women that come behind me to do the same. But I have to, I have to now know that everybody that I'm on this show with can't necessarily hold or don't desire right? To hold that same space. So, um, um, yeah. I know we're getting towards the end of 30 minutes. Do you have 10 yeah, more minutes? Yeah, but I can keep, yeah. I, I think is that all right? Worth it. Let's go Okay, 45. okay. Let's okay, perfect. I, I just, I, I, yeah. I just, I didn't know if I needed to yeah. really rush it. Okay. No, I um, didn't know you'd be this good, Ryan. You know? Oh, yes, you did. Stop. No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not that That's, I had low expectations. No, like, I, have you're, low, you're, I have low really, expectations of myself. You're really yeah. overperforming, so. Yeah. Oh my God, from you. That's amazing. Um, okay, so you know, going through that, the other thing that I would say about the show, just watching it and watching it all these seasons, you did keep giving these kind of chances or you would put yourself in scenes like you talked about the Ramona scene where you didn't like bow down. You didn't this, but you tried to bring in by using I come from an acting background. You were using different tactics and Ramona was using them mm -hmm. to leave the scene. So um, <laughs> I mean, so it's a very fascinating battle of wills if you look at it from like a meta standpoint and not the actual reality show. But I kept can I, can I, I, can, I, can, I can I just yeah. I want to hear your point, but I just want to pause for the comedic relief of that scene that nobody except my mother really like honored. That was fucking hilarious. By the end of the scene, where it starts with such tension, right? To to kind of go to a Shakespearean reference, it's such tension. It's a complete battle of wills. We're on opposite sides of this. Ramona's trying to leave her own fucking house. I'm like, I'm not going. I'm staying. I'm drinking champagne and chilling with our dogs. It's cool. Then Ramona comes back into the room after she's talked to herself and put on her butterfly necklace, and she she brings a <laughs> sense of pride. Right? This is really funny if you really think about it and you extract all the anxiety. 
She's really proud of the fact that she stayed up all night on the Google and she identified a very significant black history fact, which is that in, in her words, Madam E.J. Walker was the first black woman millionaire in America. And I'm so proud, but I have to correct my new friend Ramona so that when she goes to the Hamptons to um, brag about her newfound black history knowledge, I just want Ramona to get it right. And it's that is <laughs> CJ Walker. And she, but it, honestly, anybody that's like all tight about last, go back and watch that fucking episode. That's, no, I will say it, it plays more comedically now um, yeah. than it did when I was initially watching it. I think mm-hmm. when we were watching it, there was, I mean, I think even just everywhere with Bravo, our tensions spilled over into the screen and vice versa. Exactly. So we yeah. were what, I mean, we were coming off of a uh, pandemic and we were coming off of all of this and we just, and George this Floyd thing, and all of, all, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. all of these yeah. really real things and reality shows, which are supposed to hold a mirror up, but it doesn't mm-hmm. really, these are housewives. These are not the lives that I live personally. Sure, so sure. the thing I kept screaming at the screen a lot would be like, I would be like, Ebony, you would not be friends with them in real life. You would maybe, <laughs> Leah, maybe. I mean, like on a very small scale, maybe. But come on, like the old, like I kept screaming, like, no, you would not do this. There's a, there's no way. But Sonia, yes. Actually, Sonia, okay, yes. Chris. I did see that. I did see that. That came Sonya, up very yes. real. I mean, again, not maybe we grew up together, but like, I mean, I'm a woman. I'm, I'm a privileged woman. I'm a very privileged black woman in New York City. Who, who runs in very elite uh, cultural circles. I just left a beautiful brunch thrown by my friend Stacey Bennett and Nikki Hilton um, at Saks Fifth Avenue, which is why I'm all dressed up. I was one of a handful of black women in the room. And, but that's valuable, right? Like it's like now I get to connect with women, primarily white women who are doing the work at a high level. It's incumbent upon me to, 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 to bridge those gaps and make those connections. And, these do become my actual friends. So I think it's a misnomer, actually, Ryan, that uh, there's no scenario in which Ebony K. Williams would be friends with the likes of these Upper East Side. Uh, you'd be surprised, you know? Well, not in terms of, I mean, I think you yeah. know what I'm saying at the core. I mean, yeah. at the core of it, it's like, you know, we saw even your best friend uh, a couple times oh, on the show. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. we, I mean, we oh, saw, like, and, but I'm saying, yeah. like, I'm not saying say. that you don't fit into these social circles. I'm saying, why would you sometimes want to be, except that it, furthers your cause but sometimes when yeah. you're furthering your cause it doesn't have the root of actual real friendship because there's something sure, based on that sure, you know sure and i think that i will i concur that that is a new element uh, across the board at housewives like if you look at any city whether it's beverly hills i mean garcelle had some of those same challenges and she's discussed it right like yeah she knew rena and um denise from the industry but beyond that excuse me she's felt like an outsider with this particular group of women. And that could be around race, that could be around just, you know, broader cultural things. Same with Dr. Tiffany Moon in Dallas. Um, I think there's even, there was an element, Wendy's first season, I think this season, there's more interconnection with her and the group of women. But yeah, I mean, you know, when you spend your whole life in the case of like Dr. Osefo, you know, in school, in school, in school, in school, in school, you know, and and now you're, you know, running up, you know, between the likes of Karen Huger, it's culture shock, 
You know, and so that's the other part. I mean, you're going to wind up making a candle. That's just natural, you know, a, a six wick candle. I mean, come on. Oh, please. No, say I, you're I, gonna- I, I do feel very strongly about two wicks, actually, because I've got, you know why? I mean, people are going to see Please say you're about to show your two wick candle that you're about to put on the market. Please. Oh, I'm about to show. Yeah. I don't fuck around. Oh, heck yeah. Okay. So this is a one wick candle. This is, by, okay. I won't say the brand because I won't. Did you yeah. see how lopsided it is? Because the yes. one wick, all the energy with this wick. <laughs> Column Candle Company, two wicks. Uh, nice yes, you even, did. You promoted that. Yes. distribution. Shout I out to Column that. Candle Company. I love that. So again, I say that jokingly, but I also say it in like, if you want me to be with the shits, honey, I'm with the shits. Okay. But nobody, nobody really made space for that. But this did the other you watch thing the season of Beverly Hills? I did. I watched most of it. I will say okay. by the end, I felt like really triggered and I couldn't really keep, keep pace. But yeah, here's the other thing. In addition to integrating these casts racially recently between Garcelle and myself and Dr. Tiffany Moon and um, my good friend, Crystal Kung Minkoff, and, you know, I'm sure more will come. Um, it's not just a racial cultural integration that's happening, Ryan. It's also other aspects of, of social currency. You're also integrating in diff- women of different levels of formal education. You're also integrating women of different levels of social capital. That's what we're talking about. For instance, with Garcelle, in the in our culture, the Black community, Garcelle Bouvet is royalty, literally. She is queen fancy of the Jamie Foxx show. She has 30 years work history. Like She's everything in the culture. But then you, you, you hella, um, I'm sorry. Yeah. You kind of, uh, what's a, a hot air balloon drop her into a <laughs> cu- culture in Beverly Hills that doesn't know or acknowledge that rich cultural history that she occupies. And there's this awkwardness in terms of their acknowledgement of her full value. That's what I saw. So, and I think that's what we saw in Roni where I occupy a certain capacity in the culture. And when I say the culture, Yes, I mean black culture, but I mean kind of just like modern media culture in general that are not social currencies that mean shit to some of my castmates and vice versa, to your point, Ryan. And they've never had to uh, face that on a season of their quote unquote job. Correct. But the Garcelle season is very... Sorry, sorry. Yeah. The, no, no, the Garcelle season is very interesting because you have the whole Erica Jane landscape. So you would dip in and out of the Garcelle storyline. And we actually got to know her family and all that more than any of the rest of the family. So we know they've invested in her character because we do get to see all of this. But I that's what I think is so interesting about your season of Roni is that there wasn't this through line with some kind of criminal activity about one person or solving a right. mystery. There was this. There was and this, this, was this and was. this. That's all and it was. This- that's Different variations and- of Ramona being weird, of Luann being weird, of of learning something new each week, and oh, we don't like to learn. And that there that was a very interesting <laughs> way yeah. of, of doing a season, you know. I, I think there was an underestimation, if I can be like kind of you know uh, give a broader analysis, an underestimation of a lot of important people as to what our viewership's tolerance would be of this level of exposure to what they didn't know and what they didn't appreciate about New York City beyond the lens and the vantage point of these particular Upper East Side white women. We even saw it a little bit with Carol Radswell, right? Like if you remember the Carol days, um, which I really enjoyed, you know, it would kick. 
yeah, in a very different way, but Carol was also a disruption to that vortex. Um, and some people loved it and some people didn't, you know? So I think that's the thing. If there's a certain normalcy for Roni and it is rooted in the lens of the Ramona and Lou and Josarin and, you know, the like, that progeny. And then anything that disrupts that um, is met with scrutiny. And listen, yeah. I'm, the good news is I'm not new to this, Ryan. Like, I'm no, not I mean, no, 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 that's in the it, space. No, I mean, so that's it's the, like, you're, all right. Yeah, I mean, that's it. the thing. I mean, I was, I was nervous coming into a conversation with you because um, I do know how um, there, there's a brilliance there that I, I talk with housewives and I talk with reality stars all, all, every day now. Like, that's just kind of what, and there is something of like being able to keep up with somebody or being able or wanting to even let the audience know why I think you're really interesting and somebody that we, we need back. But sometimes, you know, like there's an insecurity on my part dealing with somebody like you because you do lead with your brain, you know, and I'm not saying you're beautiful, you're smart, you're all of those other things. But I think that is one of the first things that I think you wear proudly on your sleeve is that I have an education and you're not like, hit, but I'm saying these yeah. are things that like you have fought for your ideas. You have worked your way up. Like you said, you are very proud of, uh, of what you've achieved so far in this life sure. and the friends that you have. I just think that is interesting then to throw that into a Bravo vortex, which always is going to, right. and I, I wonder for somebody that I feel you come off with a, a great deal of confidence and that could be wrong. We only see what we see. But did, did right. this rock you in any way? Did this throw your confidence in any way? I'm happy to report that it didn't. But I can tell you the <laughs> only reason that it didn't, though, Ryan, I mean, just talking person to person here, is because of the toughness of my skin that has been built up over many years, right, in cable mm. news, right? So but yes. for my days at Fox, but for my days at HLN, but for my days at CBS News, um, I'm sure I would be feeling pretty questionable, but you know, yeah. when you come from those worlds, the housewives critiques hit different, you know, like here's the thing. And I would, and I, I actually am blessed that I now like when new women that are being interviewed or, um, considered for other housewives cities or other reality shows on Bravo, they, you know, now I'm like on TE. So they're like, what do you think? What is that? I'm like, listen, here's the number one thing you got to do if you're going to do this, right? You got to make a distinction between the real world, your actual world, people you interface with, talk to, engage with, and the internet. The yeah. internet's not a real place, right? Like, it's very important. And that's not to be dismissive of the impact of, of online community, but it's to say that's not your actual life. For instance, um, the last week and a half of my life, I've had an incredible time supporting and leading charitable and humanitarian work around Jews and Blacks, around Hanukkah, around Dress for Success. I was there giving Tuesday Ambassador and all the work they do to put women, especially women that are victims of abuse, on the right track for economic and employment. Nobody gives a fuck about any of that, right? What are people talking about? The, 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 the bullshit, you know? So it's like, that's not the real world, Ryan. Yeah, that's yeah. the internet. My work and why I remain confident and grateful and really clear about who I am. And see, this is, let's go back to full circle to wrap up here. Let's go back to Baldwin. And this is why he's so, he's such a great mentor to me. James Baldwin says, <clears throat> your job in this world is to find out exactly who you are, not other people's perceptions or ideas of you, 
but who you actually are. And then, here's the important part, force them to deal with it. Ryan, I know who I am. I knew who I was when I walked into Fox News. I knew who I was when I walked into Revolt. I know who I am walking into Real Housewives of New York. I know who I am walking onto the view set. It is the thing that carries me. And because I know who I am, I'm not beholden to an audience. And I love the Roni audience, whether they love me back or not. I don't really give a fuck. You know, they're essential to the cultural relevancy of the show and the platform. I, I respect them. But I am not beholden upon their approval of me or my usage of the platform to feel good about who I am. And that's a blessing. I love that. Um, I know I have a couple more minutes with you and I could talk to you literally all day long, which I'm sure anybody says about you, but. Yeah, you're really good. You're, you come from talk radio, right? Is that. Is I don't know. This is, I'm, I'm no? living my dream right now. This is my dream to be doing this. And I've gotten to do it this the last couple of years yeah, because of the pandemic. Great radio voice. Um, yeah, great thank radio you. Voice. Please, let's do a show together. Um, yeah. uh, I love the thing radio. I, yeah. I know. Is it that's what I grew up on was talk radio. Mm-hmm. So this really is a dream of mine. Yeah. Um, okay, so these are the the tough questions. Uh, you know. <laughs> oh, oh, now here they come. Well, no, okay, no, right. no. This is this is this is, and this is not dirt, but this is what happened. Like this is. Yeah. So this is what's gotten leaked recently is that Ramona on multiple occasions said things out loud. Of this is uh, allegedly said something like this is why we don't want. Uh, black housewives or something of that nature. And this is not the only instance she has done this. There has been reports even from a crew member. Uh, these things are actually being looked into. Is that true? This is what I'm going to tell you, Ryan, because we're talking and we have a rapport. As a as an officer of the court, although I'm not Ramona Singer's lawyer, to be clear, I actually don't believe in the compromise of investigations of that nature. So whether she said it, whether she didn't say it, you know, I don't think it's public fodder because the nature of that investigation is very serious, very serious. Very. Yeah. Um, it has legal implications. Um, it has very serious professional and economic implications. And I, I hate that whatever was leaked was leaked. And, and, and the network knows that, too, because regardless of what I how, where me and Ramona are, whether or not she actually said that. I think the nature of that being leaked for public consumption is inappropriate, is what I would say about that. Okay, that's exactly what I needed to know. And I love the comment of the public fodder. It is not for public fodder. So it's just not for be, public fodder. But so 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 some you're saying things are, by the way, some things are, but not so you found it interesting that, that so you didn't leak that. Like you didn't, Fuck you no. were shocked that that you were shocked that I, that came I, out. I was not only shocked, I was pissed. Because it compromise the, the leak compromises the nature of the claim. It compromises the integrity and the nature of what actually because now it's become a headline. And not a headline that is it's become a, a tabloid headline. And that is disrespectful to the nature of what it is. And I feel very seriously about that. Okay. And I hope that makes sense. Does that make sense? It, it, it does. It makes complete sense to me. Yeah. Um, uh, lastly, where are we? We're not going to get a reunion. We're not no. going to get, we're not getting a reunion. <laughs> are we going to get you back on our screens? You say they are screen testing or there are testing people. Can you let us know, is Roni coming back? And are you going to be on Roni? Well, because I, I don't 
uh, make those decisions, I don't I don't know exactly what the plan for Rowney is. What I can tell you uh, is that I fully appreciate and am and will be eternally grateful for the amplification of my work. Let me take a quick anecdote. I was boarding. Um, I'm a very proud Delta Sky Miles um, <laughs> Platinum member. Shout out to Delta Airlines. I don't give a fuck. Okay. So I'm on my Delta flight two weeks ago going to visit my childhood best friend and my godson in Charlotte, North Carolina. A young man comes up to me. Couldn't have been more than 28. Um, very handsome, tall, blonde, white guy in his beautiful Zach Posen Delta uniform. And he says, oh, my God. I had my mask on, of course. And he said, oh, my God, are you Ebony K. Williams? I said, I am. He's like, if you need anything on this flight, let me know. I said, okay, great. It's, you know, I just need me some extra almonds. I appreciate yeah. you. Awesome. <laughs> but then at some point, he flips me um, a note, and I'm going to respect his privacy and not show it to you, but I do still have it. It's in my purse. Uh-huh. And it's a note, Ryan, that says, I want you to know that how you showed up for yourself and your community on season 13 of Roni gave me the audacity and courage to come out to my family. Oh, wow. As a gay man. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I would have been able to do it, but for seeing how just insistent and unapologetic you were. And I'm paraphrasing. But when he said that, and because I was like emotional and emo and whatever was going on with me, I, I was really, and I'm not a crier, but I was moved to tears. And we had a whole moment like near the cockpit where we hugged and we embraced. And I just said, I just really want to thank you for that. Because for me, there was a lot of, of noise around my season of Real Housewives of New York, season 13. And if I change one fucking person's life, Ryan, if one person gets to live more truthfully, despite how uncomfortable it makes some of those, even in his own family, around him, he's living up to Baldwin's mantra. This is a young man who knows who he is. He's figured out who he is, and he's forcing his world and his family to deal with it, and I'm proud of him. And so because I'm proud of him, I have to be proud of me. And if they will have me for season 14, I will love to, listen, do this work. But I'll end with this. I also want to just look fucking pretty. I also just want to go <laughs> on international fabulous trips. Yes, you didn't get to do any of that. You didn't get right. to do any of the housewife stuff. You didn't even that's get to do a reunion. Like, well, right. I, I mean, that's, I mean, we need, I mean, well, that's, and I will wrap up with this question. Have you hooked up with Harry Dubin yet? All right. Oh my no. God, the fact, no. the fact no, that no, you no, silent. No, I, have you, I have to show you something. Oh, you, you just scared the crap this. out of me. No, I haven't, just, the answer is, the answer you just got, you no. were quiet and I got so scared for a second. The answer is no, I haven't hooked up with Harry Dubin, but I oh, do have to no. show you a photo. Oh my God, you guys, it's Harry with her. They both look like this better not be a date, Ebony. This better not be a date. Oh, That's oh my exclusive, God. by the way. Oh, Nobody else oh, in the ethos oh, has seen that photo. Oh, 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 oh my God. This is a part of his, this is Housewives history right here. You've got to. Okay. Okay. And okay. The, you've been so uh, amazingly generous with your time. Like, I'm, oh. just, I'm just showing you this. Just so I want oh, you to see. This was a sweet note from the Delta guy. It was very sweet. Uh, um, okay. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, you have your, when is your podcast coming back? When it, you did a oh, no, best of episode in November, no. when is it coming back? Announcement coming soon. I can tell you the black is hot, like this juicy small let. And yes, I'm calling him juicy. Um, oh my God. That trial oh, in Chicago right now. Yes. So there's a lot of like crazy hot legal stories. So holding court will be back with a vengeance. When we come back, we're coming in hot. 
That's what I was. Okay, good, about. good. And then uh, the last Leah, you talked to Ramona. Anybody lately? Anybody texting? We heard there was oh, yeah. friction with yeah. you and Leah. Okay. <laughs> I no, mean, I mean, that's what the word on the street I know, is. You know? Word, I, I see the streets. Um, listen, it, it's not that much controversy with Leah and I. It's very simple. Uh, Leah and I have both been very honest. We did not, shocker, we didn't know each other before we got on the show. We met. What? Uh, what? I, I can't oh believe it. God. I can't believe are you, it. You, I was, they said they were friends. What are you talking about? Yeah. Shocker, <laughs> we were cast. Exactly. So, you know, Leah and I had a very new relationship that developed in real time as you guys watch the show. And like all relationships, you get to know each other better over time and you find out where the, the alignments and the disalignments are. That's all it is. It's no beef. It's no yeah. fallout. It's nothing. Nobody slept with anybody's man. Nobody talked about anybody's mama. It ain't that deep. You better know? not be yeah. Harry Dubin. You guys better not have both slept with Harry Dubin. I will be so livid if I find that out. Oh, also, I wanted to introduce you to somebody <laughs> because, because you have, this is Georgie and we have, this is my roommate's dog, but you, uh, she was like, you got to, you got to show Ebony Georgie. Georgie, look, are you, you got to meet Georgie. Look at Georgie. See, look, it's the same. It's the same. It's literally Georgie, like Georgie, twins. She's she's doesn't like. I other literally dogs. thought you had somehow telepathically stolen my dog. I know. Every time we watch and you would show the dog, uh, oh. we would get Georgie and hold it up to the screen. So, so uh, sweet. Yeah, but um, Ebony, is there anything else that we can be supporting you with or looking towards you for? And by the way, the view. Do we get another, are we getting another try? Are we doing, what are they doing? Uh, inquiring minds want to know. It went oh, really it good. Like, it went yeah, great. Thank you. I, I, you know, it was, it was amazing for me. It was, you know, it's, it's my sweet spot. I, I love the platform. I love the women and I love talking about the issues of our time. Obviously. Um, I would say it looks like they're starting to, I, I don't want to call them callbacks per Narrow se, down, but they're yeah. starting to have people again. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm, hopeful and open to joining the ladies again is what I was kind of made for that show kind of made for that show by the way I really think and I think there's a spot for because I believe you kind of have uh open viewpoints on a lot of things and not just yeah I would call myself a swing vote you know yeah exactly exactly if this was and and that's one of the things I personally loved about even my time at Fox News um which you know and O'Reilly actually told me this he's like you know you know Williams the thing about you I never know actually what you're going to say and that's what I, that's why you're valuable because I think those people that you, you, you can kind of script their reaction and response to every policy or headline. It's fine. But like, where's the thought there? Right. Yeah. So, you know, I'm a little bit of, I, I, I really am authentically nerdy and dorky enough to read all the fine lines, all the fine print and have a unique opinion per the policy. I think one of the one of the only things I've ever disagreed with you on was that Beyonce clip. But other than that, I'm uh, (laughs) complete. You know, I still get shit from that. And you know what? And I stand by it. I think Beyonce's incredible and she's beautiful and she's whatever. I think for a long time. She was not <laughs> maximizing her platform and to my stint, to my nerdy dorky uh. standards. And and now she's like building homes for like moms in Houston and she's the shit. So um Ebony, Felicia, I, Felicia I, I, Okay, I love you. You guys, Ebony is going to keep us. You go follow her on Instagram. You follow her on oh, all those things. She doesn't have a candle yet. She's gonna have many shows. 
Hopefully we'll see her on the view and hopefully we'll see her on Roni again. And we can actually see her go buck wild on some kind of cast trip overseas. Um, yes, uh, I mean so, my cast trip. Yeah. Please, uh, please at some point come back on because I mean, like anybody, you, you were just made to talk. So I really, really appreciate you sharing this much time with our listeners and hopefully we'll talk to you again. This was fun. And if I do come out with a candle, it will have two wicks. I promise. Thank you, you Ryan. Heard here first. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye, Bye. guys. Bye-bye. Betches.